refreshing. <laughs> At least you're making use of that cool drum. Welcome to the original Spinsters podcast with Jaina and Jess. And we're back. We're back. We're back, Thornback bitches. Yeah, we took a one month vacation. Some of it from our problems. Yeah, some of it with more problems. <laughs> some of it you did actually go on an actual vacation, though. Yeah. A real one. Oh, yeah, South uh, Kadota. <laughs> Saw some bison. Because you want to be, uh, oh, what the fuck is his name in the movie? Uh, what movie? Tombstone. Doc Holliday? Yeah, what's the actor's name, though? Val Kilmer. Yeah, we don't remember stuff. Well, Tombstone is a hell of a movie. It is a good movie. It's a classic. I feel like you would want to be um, Val Kilmer. I'm here, Huckleberry. Though, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a pretty sexy man. I don't even date men a lot. Even when he's got tuberculosis. Even with the sweaty tuberculosis. (laughs) He's pretty... It's pretty all right. stunning. This is our 13th episode. 13 is my favorite number. Nice. So I feel like it's uh, a to-do... About nothing. And uh, we decided, so this is October, and apparently it is Mental Health Awareness Month. Woohoo! Along with, like, a sh- as everything gets lumped in together. I know earlier this week was, like, Indigenous Peoples, Peoples Day. Day. It was our mother's birthday. Happy yeah. birthday, Mom. Mom. Good for you. So, uh, since it is Mental Health Awareness Month, that's what we're going to have our podcast on today. We're going to talk a little bit about the history of... Women and mental health. Yep. Awesome. Actually, before we jump in, do you have any other uh, news of the world that you want to address or no? Um, um, William Shatner's in space. You did mention that. That seems pretty cool. That's the whole... Oh, after you texted me that, I did hear that on the radio. So it was the whole Elon Musk dealio. Because he's taking... You can basically go to space now like if you would take a... Vacation. A, take a trip. T- or like a little bus ride. Probably like a million dollar bus ride or something. You like kind of just get into space and then, and then you, then come, you come, back. come back. Yeah. You'd go, you'd go and you'd do that and someone asks you, how was it? And you say, it was out of this world. <laughs> that was... let's go ahead and start uh this 13th episode and i'm gonna let you start jess because it sounds like you did a little bit of research you got some facts for us facts no figures but i have facts so what i was most interested in when we were talking about this episode was gender bias and sexism in Mm. mental health care What I found, I found like the best information I found was from the World Health Organization. So I'm thinking and hoping that their facts are, their real facts, not alternative facts. Yeah, good up-to-date ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I'm just going to read through a few of these because I think they're really important. And I just want to say that gender bias in mental health treatment and diagnoses um, tends to go both ways as far as how women are treated and what they're diagnosed with and what men are, how they are treated and diagnosed. So, okay. um, gender bias occurs in the treatment of psychological disorders. Doctors are more likely to diagnose depression in women compared with men, even when they have similar scores on standardized measures of depression wow. or present with identical symptoms. Wow. What, Why? What, is it too much of like a, uh, they're worried about the man's ego, or... Yeah, I'm wondering if 
maybe providers, whether intentional or not intentionally, think that... Men uh, can ha- just handle it more or don't need as much help with it? Well, if you didn't interrupt me, I could finish. You go for it. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> whether intentional or not intentional, they think that men would have a, a negative reaction to being diagnosed mm. and maybe um, decide to stop seeking treatment or stop seeking help because they don't want that stigma. Whereas maybe women are more accepting of owning that, being like, yes, you're right, that it's depression and I need help. That's interesting. Maybe. I don't know. I, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> No, I think that that is one possibility for sure. What else you got? Another one is that women are more likely to seek help from and disclose mental health problems to their primary health care physician, while men are more likely to seek specialist mental health care and are the principal users of inpatient care. Really? Yeah, and since you have, since in some of your work, you have a, more of a glimpse inside that world, do you, have you seen that for yourself? Well, um, so, and just so every of the audience is aware, like, as part of my job, I handle the inpatient bed flow for a psychiatric hospital, so discharges to admission, so I do really see who's coming through the hospital. I feel like I see a really good split between men and women. Okay. Um, I do think that more of the inpatient treatment for men has to do with substance use. Okay, so that actually completely lines up with some of the other things here because one of the next facts I was going to share is that men are more likely than women to disclose problems with alcohol use to their mm. health care provider. Yeah. While women... This is a very general statement, but it just is what it is. I guess I'll just read it as is. Female gender is a significant predictor of being prescribed mood-altering psychotropic drugs. That I think that kind of lines up just with the women diagnosed and treated more for depression. And men were more likely to seek help for alcohol abuse. To me, I think it's more of just like a socially... Ex- We've talked about it before. Things that are more socially acceptable for men as opposed mm-hmm. to just having a lot of feelings. Yeah. Like anger, alcoholism. You know. Yeah, exactly. And it, it does make sense. I think we're going to see a change into the future as um, the mental health stigmas are broken down and men do feel more comfortable just expressing that they need help and we'll maybe see a little bit more leveling off of those numbers. But it certainly seems like women more freely expressing I need help for mental illness and men do so only after going down the the road of like drugs and alcohol self-medication so self-medication yeah and not that that is across the board of course not I mean I've struggled with alcohol significantly too so, you know as yeah but I mean I would say like in if you're gonna put a blanket over the whole thing you know in my life whether it is people I've personally known family and friends or even stuff you see on TV it is more common just to see like oh well women just go bat- batshit crazy and then like men end up um, you know having alcohol or drug problems mm-hmm. so do you have any other ones or is that about yeah well, I'm gonna give a the last one which I thought was very important um, that is just kind of wraps it up but 
gender stereotypes regarding proneness to emotional problems in women and alcohol alcohol problems in men appear to reinforce social stigma and constrain help seeking along stereotypical lines. They are a barrier to the accurate identification and treatment of psychological disorder. Mm-hmm. Which, you know... That sums it up pretty well. It right sums there. it up pretty good, but I mean, it's also very powerful. Well, thank you for the factual information. You're, we, you're welcome. We don't even need an intermission of information. I was, gonna, I was wondering if you had one of those today. Maybe. <laughs> intermission of information the national alliance of mental health reports that one in five adults in america experience a mental illness in their lifetime right now nearly 10 million americans are living with a serious mental disorder the most common types are anxiety disorders major depression and bipolar disorder impacting an estimated 300 million people worldwide Depression is the most common of those and generally affects more women than men. And statistically, 50% of all mental illnesses begin around the age of 14 and three quarters have begun by age of 24. This has been your intermission of information. All right, so next I want to talk about, well, basically I asked our mother, Susie, shout out Mama Susie, thank you for this information, but I asked our mom because uh, she opened up to me about depression throughout her life, and she was starting to seek treatment for depression when I was like a little baby, so we're talking the late 80s, into maybe early 90s. Um, And one thing I found especially interesting is she first disclosed her issues about feeling depressed to her OBGYN. Yeah. And I've heard other women say that same thing. Samesies. Yeah. So there must be something to that. And maybe if you want to share your experience as well, why is it that specifically female women's doctor is the person that some women feel most comfortable with opening up to because mental health isn't a woman's issue right but maybe there's that some subconscious that it it is more that is interesting yeah because i've always felt more comfortable um talking about and seeking help from my obgyn when it when it's when i've struggled at times in my life with mental health issues than a primary care for, um, I don't know if this would resonate with a lot of other women too, but for me, my OBGYN offices have always felt like a more personal, safe environment. I don't know if like they all try to make the environment like that. Um, all right. So back to my mother, our, oh, I mean our mother. Always they've done Sometimes that I say whole my, goddamn life. I forget. It's her mom, too. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know her. <laughs> um, she said that, uh, so it was the late 80s, her OBGYN is, was a male doctor, and when she said she thought she was suffering from depression or just, like, very, very sad, couldn't get out of bed, all the symptoms, he said that it's probably linked to menstruation. God. He blamed it on her period. 
Which is sad. It is sad. She then, she went home. I don't remember the exact story, but when she got home, it was the nurse or even just, she wasn't, it could have been the secretary. Someone from that office, a female, called her back and said, basically, um, hey, just in case you want some more, like, specific, better information, here's the number for someone that can help um, do, like, antidepressant or somebody, more Somebody help. who knows what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she did go ahead and try antidepressants. Back then, there was only a couple available. Yeah. There's a lot more option now. But I found that very poignant story of someone seeking help. And that wasn't that long ago, necessarily. No, it wasn't. As you can imagine what it was like, you know, another 50 years before that, you know. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, hence, alcoholism. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, and then just to touch on a little bit about how maybe male partners... It doesn't have to be male, but partners r- react when the the person they love is dealing with this kind of mm, thing. Because yeah. mom did share just in general how she was going through this and sought help. But that dad wasn't very understanding at the time. Yeah, I could see him. I mean, I don't... Yeah, I definitely can see that. And I think part of that being, as we touched on before, men having a harder time accepting and expressing emotions around this. It. She said, mom said that it seemed like dad was afraid. It, it was sort of scary. He did not know how to help. So his reaction was anger. Yeah. Anger and alcohol. So you could see within a family how that creates a cycle then right. of sadness and hurt, creating more sadness and hurt and self medicating and self medicating. So that's Jesus, we got a bunch yeah. of problems. We got problems. We've got problems. And another thing I found very, it it kind of made me sad, but I can definitely see why. But mom said that a big part of her wanting to deal with depression and get better was quote for dad. Not even for herself, but she felt like she was giving him and the family such a hard time that she was just making things worse. So, um, that being said, she has come a long way, and good for her, um, and all this, all the things she's done to take care of herself, because she is a new woman, and thanks, Mom! So, for myself, personally, I've tend to lean on our maternal side of the family that has dealt with you know, somewhat predisposition towards some anxiety and depression. So I've had probably two times in my life where um, I just had so much anxiety that it led to some pretty severe depression where I realized like, okay, I I think I've reached like a clinical level, not just yeah. I'm going to try to work myself out of this. Yeah. Um, and so one of the times is when I was still married and again, you know, I'm sure he would say he doesn't remember saying this because it's funny how people will block shit out that they want to but um i when i was really struggling the first time i remember my ex-husband telling me that he would rather i leave him than have to go on medication wow like if i was that bad he'd rather i leave him and this was, fuck, what was this? Like, um, early-ish 2000s? This was probably even still, like, 2006. Like, it was still... And I don't remember thinking it was that weird at the time because it was like, oh, if you're so bad, you need medication, you're just fucked. 
I, you know, like just that stigma that's still there. Like, oh, I can tough it out. I can, yeah. work, I can be tough enough mm-hmm. to work to just think myself out of this. And feeling not deserving. Like, if it's not bad enough, then I don't really deserve right the help. So, and then I'll touch on a little bit how we wanted to discuss what it's like as not just partners but family units dealing with mental health because it's not it just it doesn't just affect one person it can affect affect all the people sort of around and if we want to break down stigma it's really about being open and how to be best supportive i think so i've had my downs in depression but i've also had the reverse of that i've had my ups and for quite a while i was diagnosed um, with bipolar 2, which is a little bit, uh, I don't want to say less severe because it obviously has its own challenges, but my ups weren't quite as high. Then recently, I went psychotic. <laughs> and I had a full-blown ma- psychotic manic episode and was hospitalized for that. And my sister here, was uh, played a big role in getting me help that I needed because I had said in the past, you know, if I ever get real crazy, you did tell call me the police. So somebody called the police, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I won't go into the details about um, exactly my experience because I was delusional and and whatnot. But I do want to talk about your experience actually just okay. through that because. It's not just myself who was impacted by that, but it was scary, right? Yeah, and it was very scary. Again, I feel like you're trying to force a therapy session on me right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was really scary, and I think that probably there's still some of it that I have not processed or dealt with because it was just like a lot to take in for a few days. I mean, I know you were feeling fan-fucking-tastic. Yeah. Um, but on the reverse side of that, there was um, just being very, like, scared and worried for you as far as, like, your physical safety and, like, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And even though as much as you and I had discussed um, being there for each other and helping each other in different um, struggles in life, specifics to mental health, like, I had never in life seen somebody like in real life seeing like a full-blown manic episode like you had shared with me some things when you hadn't lived here but Mm -hmm. I was like oh this this is fucking happening yeah (laughs) so um it was a lot to take in and there's a lot of you know scary emotions I know I had mentioned to you like you know and I'm trying to find a way to talk about it without like going into too much detail but it was overwhelming like once I knew you were safe I kind of exhaled and then for a few days I was like I can't I just don't want to fucking deal with anything right now then I was like she's safe cool yeah (laughs) you know and I think I told you that too like I was still checking on like how you were doing first there was all these like oh like you want to say like all these guilts and what you're like supposed to do but I was trying to be like no, it's all right. Like, it's okay for me to say I need a couple days to just kind of process, keep myself in check, you know? it's It sounds so cheesy now because it's so overused, but, like, self-care. Yeah, but it's know? true. If you got to take care of yourself first before you can be helpful to someone else. Yeah. And so maybe needless to say, my diagnosis has been updated to bipolar 1 yeah. after this. And mm-hmm. I think that's a really important thing piece of my own story to get have the right diagnosis because then I can be medicated properly in the right way and that would not have happened necessarily if you 
hadn't stepped up and done the hard thing uh, to get me help. So first of all, I appreciate that, sister. Thank you. You're welcome. And through my job, because I also kind of work in this field, I get a lot of calls by family members who are calling saying, what do I do? And calling the police on your own family member doesn't sound good. It sounds like that sucks and you don't want your family member to be upset with you. But sometimes the right thing is the hard thing that you have to do. And you did the hard thing and you stuck with it. That's kind of the moral of the story here is uh, when it comes to mental health, sometimes it's hard to make the right decision of like how to help someone. And now this is sort of a, a significant sort of severe case like you had to deal with, but even in little ways you know family member needs help telling them just what they want to hear all the time isn't always right because even as open as we are you know it's still more comfortable to rationalize or deal or whatever either if it's yourself or with a family member going through this and even one time when I was talking with one of the nurses not even bringing it up that this is a trait that you do but she just said to me, like, it's very hard for family members when somebody has bipolar because, um, you know, they have a tendency to, if you push too hard to get them help, they'll cut you out. I yep. was like, oh, yeah, my sister yep. does that. Makes sense. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. So I had to realize for myself, like, you know what? I I became more like, I think, where some of the other families are very caring and they're more like wanting to, like, how can we... Yeah. get Jaina to want to get help and help herself and I'm just more like fuck it I'm just gonna tell her whatever and if she cuts me out oh fucking well yeah like that's kind of where I've come like I love you I care but I just feel like I want to be more direct my intention is not just to like try to call you out or give you shit or like be searching for anything I realize like okay well we gotta get to a next level like She's really, you know, she had an extended extended stay at the Marriott um, <laughs> where she could get like a proper diagnosis and proper yeah. medication. And I don't know if I'd mentioned this to you before, but like the short one to two days of checking yourself in and then I'm cool, peace out, little like band-aids. shitty band-aids over the top. And yeah. like those wounds, whether it's from trauma, whether it's related to um, habits with bipolar or whatever, like I'm not going to assume because I'm not you. Some of that shit probably needs to like be directly dealt with Yeah. sooner than later. So it doesn't keep fucking, you know, I'm cool, I'm cool. And then all of a sudden it just like fucks yeah. everything up. You know? Yeah. And everything you, you just said, I can agree with. And the big thing that if it, you take anything away from this is mental health issues affect can affect a whole family and that was was, I did go part therapy there so you can (laughs) you can just cut out whatever well we started talking about like well I guess I might as well just say stuff now that I've been thinking about yeah no absolutely and just that supporting each other doesn't always mean agreeing yeah does not always mean just agreeing and oh you know I hear you that's nice sometimes that you have to stand up to each other and say you know what I'm worried about you yeah and you need to go get help and fuck the stigma of anything that's out there right there's nothing you have to feel ashamed about for saying I need help but yeah so I think this has been we'll probably wrap it up here okay it's been pretty good pretty good pretty good one 
pretty good. Yeah, there's a lot there. I think we could definitely do a part two at some point yeah, if we'll, you want. Yeah, we'll think about a part two because this was a, a quite an overview for Mental Health Awareness Month here. Uh, but it's definitely something that I know uh, I feel passionately about. Definitely. Probably, definitely. Definitely. Definitely, probably. One thing that would be interesting and possibly, like, horrifying, but um, I know one thing I intended to look into more that I didn't was specific examples of, like, in 1954, did you know that this hospital used to take women and, you know, yeah. hook them up to, oh, or, like, the, like, hot and cold water treatments and, like, yeah. do you remember hearing stuff like I that? I think I would like to do... Um, a second part to this yeah. to talk more about some of those like whoa crazy look what they used to do to treat people <laughs> yeah what? so i think let's maybe even for the next one yeah while we keep this going and we'll do a little bit more die delving deep, deep dive in, deep dive that's what i was looking for <laughs> um into some old-timey treatments and what how it's evolved now so thank you for listening everybody find us on instagram at uh, original spinsters. That's it. That's like that's it. In. All right. Cool. All right. Well, we love you. The only thing I can say to the spinster nation is, go get help. You probably need it. <laughs> <laughs>